Hello and welcome to Lampkin and Elm, a classic horror podcast dealing in anything 90s and back horror. We'll talk a little sci-fi, we'll talk a little physical media, and there's probably a smidge of video games in there because they definitely can have a horror tilt to them at their best. My name is Jason and I'll be your host this evening. The big thing about that I want to do with this episode is not only discuss the wonderful movie, which is The Gate. I think I saw it in the fifth grade at a sleepover, and it immediately struck a chord with me as a... What is that? What would that be? A ten-year-old? How old are you in the fifth grade? Uh, I think you. I was about ten or eleven, whatever I was. Uh, is that... The movie definitely takes advantage of the satanic panic. That is going to be kind of the uh, a big part of this episode. Uh, the movie is wonderful, of course, but I think it definitely plays with some of the concepts of the satanic panic. Every decade for the last 50 or year, 50, 60, actually 70 years or so, have had some sort of satanic panic or some unfounded attack on uh, a smaller group. Uh, if you look at the 50s, there were two. Rock and roll is going to turn your children into degenerates. Marijuana, reefer madness. And of course, the McCarthyism uh Communism, the Red Scare, is, is the big, very uh, terrible affair where uh, people were blacklisted and treated differently and never got to work uh, in their fields again because of their association with communism. If you have seen the movie Oppenheimer from last year, it was the biggest movie last year, I don't think we need to discuss Oppenheimer, the main character, Oppenheimer, lost his clearance, his Q clearance, which is basically a top-secret clearance uh, in the field of energy. It's a Q clearance uh, because of his associations with communists. Uh, we're not going to debate. That's a debate for another show. We're going to definitely get into the 80s version of that, the satanic panic. But uh, just to illustrate that, it's nothing new. Uh, as long as there's there are people that really can't think for themselves. There's going to be people that uh, are out on the attack of things they don't understand. Uh, the 60s, everybody was scared of the hippies. In the 70s, uh, disco came under scrutiny because of uh, the lifestyle or the perceived uh, lifestyle of people that listen to that music. The 80s got the satanic panic, and it was kind of the rise of heavy metal as a uh, musical art form. The horror we're going to be speaking about today got its start in the late 60s and early 70s, just like metal. Movies such as Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, and a little bit later than that, The Omen, definitely were big hits in that era, and they definitely brought ideas of religion and horror in, into one and obviously caused a great 
consternation by people, uh, but also uh, were exceedingly popular. Metal, it's heavy metal music had its roots in the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, some of the roots of heavy metal are definitely the likes of Led Zeppelin. And you can tell that they were very hard rock, but delved more into the fantasy aspect of things. You could tell they were Tolkienists. They liked talking about Misty Mountains and all that fun stuff. But it wasn't until, of course, uh, Tony Iommi's uh, fingers getting chopped off in Birmingham, England, that true heavy metal started with Black Sabbath. Definitely the name alone can uh, can tell you that it's about going to have darker tones to it. If you didn't know, the guitarist for uh, Black Sabbath, Tony Iommi, injured him his hand in an industrial accident at his regular job, uh, and he had to tune his guitar a certain way so that it would get picked up, but it definitely led to uh, a unique sound, and it's kind of the genesis of heavy metal sound. Uh, add Ozzy Osbourne's uh, love of the macabre and the occult, and you get heavy metal, and soon there was... Uh, plenty more that came from. Uh, by the late 70s, Judas Priest was, uh, instead of a folksy band, they went into metal. Um, and the 80s, the late 70s and the early 80s, you got uh, some true kings. Uh, the biggest, I would say, Iron Maiden. You'd get Metallica and the whole thrash scene, Slayer. And so on and so forth. So, uh, so both horror imagery and horror music, to a certain extent, uh, kind of were. Maybe they helped each other. Uh, maybe they didn't. But they were both uh, by the '80s, big, big time in the cultural uh, zeitgeist. Horror, horror entered a golden age. In fact, of slashers and. Uh, you couldn't throw a rock without hitting a slasher, and there was just a good time to to be a horror fan. And when something gets big and somebody doesn't like it, it will, of course, uh, be scrutinized. And generally speaking, uh, it's incorrectly scrutinized. That's just kind of been the pattern of these things that we were talking about over the last couple of years. You know, the satanic panic, the... People being scared of hippies, people being scared of communists and marijuana and rock and roll music. Just, you know, it's unfounded. Uh, but the one thing uh, that I would stress is that um, if people's normalcy is attacked or their perceived normalcy, uh, there's no such thing as normal. But you'll see that every action has a reaction and uh, the 80s had the satanic panic dealing with metal movies, horror movies, uh, and, of course, things such as Dungeons & Dragons. There was Moms Against Dungeons & Dragons, Mad, and uh, there was the Tipper Gore fight with uh, D. Snyder, which is, if you want to take uh, 20, 30 minutes and YouTube that, it, it was excellent. Uh, the background on that is... The powers that be brought forth several recording artists, including uh, Zappa and D. Snyder from 
Twisted Sister, to Congress to, for a kangaroo court of sorts, to, you know, ha- browbeat and talk down to these uh, obviously degenerates that would make such terrible music. Well, it turned out that both D. Snyder, who D. Snyder, I don't even think drinks, actually. He's a, I believe he is a teetotaler, uh, and Zappa uh, were ready were eloquent, were their ideas were thought out, and they handled their so, themselves very well and kind of uh, stuck it to the man. But of course, this didn't uh, quash the efforts of people to try and uh, misrepresent the horror community, the metal community. Uh, Geraldo made an epically terrible... Um, special about the satanic panic which i believe he in the mid 90s he had to apologize for but it's convenient to apologize uh, years afterwards when no one's paying attention and you've already hurt or victimized people but by the late 80s this problem was coming to a crescendo uh and it seems that uh, the makers of the movie, The Gate, definitely knew what they were doing when they were uh, coming up with the concept of uh, this movie. At its core, The Gate is a kid-friendly horror movie, I would say, all things considered, even though it deals with opening up a gate to the to a uh, underworld where excellently created uh, creatures... Uh, come and wreak havoc on a suburban neighborhood. The two main characters, uh, one is your av- is played by Stephen Dorff, uh, is just your average, he is definitely the hero character, he's your average uh, American boy, you know, rides bikes, uh, has fun. His neighbor friend recently lost his mother, and of course... Uh, if you're a preteen in the 80s and you recently lose a family member, you are going to turn to the evils of heavy metal music. He listens to a... He gets a new heavy metal album by a fictional band called Sacrifix. And if you play this album backwards, it will unleash a portal to hell and, of course... Uh, evil things will come out. Well, that's exactly what happens through a comedy of errors. Uh, the two kids uh, summon the portal, little creatures and big creatures come out, and uh, the, ho- the whole movie deals with them trying to, them and the teenage sister and uh, trying to uh, fix the problem that they have created. Uh, it is a wonderful little movie. It has a definite Spielbergian vibe to it. It's one of those wholesome, sh- wholesomely shot movies. Very good cinematography. Very good creature effects. It'll definitely hit you in the 80s. Definitely a product of its time. So the rest of the synopsis is, of course, the kids triumph via attacking said giant creature with a model rocket, which definitely uh, wasn't a kid's thing in the 80s. Models, rockets, all that fun stuff. Uh, so, and of course, the end is that it cu- they 
banish those those pesky demons back to where they came from. As a child watching this movie, I was like I said, I was in the fifth grade. I was over at a sleepover with a, I think the kiddo's name was CW, and we played paper role playing games. And then we he showed me this movie, and it was one of those things that instantly hit with me because I was kind of the age of those the protagonists and the creature effects will wow you they they hold up today there's it's all optical and stop motion uh there's no cg it was 1986 1987 so they didn't really have that in the toolbox so uh just a pretty all around especially for uh my, my young self uh Definitely a movie that stuck with me, and even now, I can watch it. I just watched it recently to prepare for this episode, and it holds up as a quality horror movie. Is it that, you know, you shouldn't take it too seriously. It's not The Exorcist, but it is definitely a fun little uh, romp through uh, Satanism with, you know, of course... (laughs) Scare quotes on that, uh, and the effects of people's perception of what this music and uh, could do to your children. So uh, it's a good bit of fun. I definitely recommend checking it out if you haven't. It's on Tubi and uh, several Pluto, I think, for free. So you you don't even have to pay for it. You might have to watch a couple of commercials, but that's not too bad. We are. Uh, we're all used to that if from this age. And the 80s were a time where kids became more and more independent. Uh, you would go to the mall. Uh, while you were there, you could get those evil records, play those evil arcades, and buy those fantastic movies from your local Suncoast. The 80s were also a time where parents had less time with their kids. Uh, Both parents started work, there's lots of divorced families now, and the parents didn't have as much time with their children, and the result being that fear of what's going on while I'm not home started. That whole latchkey children type of thing was going on. This movie keyed into it because, of course, the parents naturally leave for the weekend and they're not here to protect their children. So you get a movie about metal, you get a movie about kids on their own and things going south and you get the gate and you it kind of is central to that idea of kids being independent, but the trouble they can get into and the fear of not understanding this new music Definitely, if you were a teenager in the 60s and 70s and you moved out of that more youthful music into what you liked, the classics, and you heard metal for the first time, it's definitely different. So you can see where people's fears could come from. What I would get out of this movie is that if... A subject is so pervasive in culture that it, it affects movies, then it's something to talk about. And we can pull back in not just the satanic panic and horror and metal, but any time a group is trying to tell you something is bad, 
or something can hurt you, I take it with a grain of salt. I research the supposed problem child and uh, give it a listen, give it a watch. Uh, and most of the time, this stuff comes down to fear of the unknown and or at worst, control. Uh, definitely control is uh, at the crux of a lot of these panics we've had in the last 60, 70 years. Um, what can be gained out of somebody else falling type of situation. So just remember, uh, before you attack something, it's generally a good idea to understand it. And if you investigate with uh, an objective view, you'll generally find that things or people or groups or cultures uh, aren't as scary as they've been made out to. And you need to question who's telling you uh, that information because they probably have an agenda behind it. A perfect world for me, ideas should be uh, treated like capitalism. Let an idea out, and if people are interested in it, it can succeed. If people are not, then obviously it's not a good idea, but give it that, that objective chance of the market. And... Somebody's fear and want to shoot something down is generally just going to be a more of an indictment on their uh, second thoughts about their position and their want to maintain the status quo or control. So definitely read that book they want to ban. Uh, listen to that music that somebody wants to destroy with a steamroller we didn't even get into the scary gangster rap of the 90s that is another uh, gang rap and metal and punk all kind of have similar messages they're just composed differently so so you'll definitely probably learn more about of a culture if you uh take the chance to open your ears up and open your mind up and give it a listen give it a read give it a watch and you'll probably walk away with more understanding I guess I'm just a Star Trek guy where, you know, infinite diversity and infinite combinations comes to play. And I'd rather uh, focus on what we have, uh, what we have in common rather than what it separates us. Thank you for indulging me on the subjects of horror movies and free thought. Uh, definitely didn't think that this episode would get that heated, but I appreciate you if you're still here. Thank you so much for listening to that. Now I want to get to some corrections and some response from the community about my uh, podcast. I want to thank everybody in advance who listened to that first episode on 1968. And uh, the the dudes out in Carlsbad, New Mexico, the Ghoul Squad... Uh, talked about my podcast and I'm glad they liked it. I love their podcast. They're, it's awesome to have such a uh, wonderful horror scene in Southern New Mexico. And I think they're a big part of that and it's good to hear from them. And I got to see them at the New Mexico bowl last month. Uh, it was nice to see them check in. Uh, I used to see them at my old place of work, Best Buy. Uh, definitely a 
it used to be the hot spot for movies, especially in an area like southern New Mexico where they're we're kind of devoid of independent or or even chain uh, video and music stores. But they had a question, and that question is, what the heck is Lampkin and Elm? Well, it's easy. Lampkin is the street that the Myers house was on in uh, 1978's How- Mike John Carpenter's Halloween. And, of course, Elm Street is Nightmare on Elm Street. So I figured the confluence of Lampkin and Elm is kind of where this horror podcast should be. So uh, we're on we're living on Lampkin and Elm at the corner of that. And a correction, for some weird reason, I said that uh, technically we see both sides of the moon. We do not. Uh, we always see the same side because it's circling around us in a way that we see one face of the moon. So in 1968, uh, when the Apollo 8 astronauts uh, flew to the moon and circled it a couple of times and shot themselves back, they were the first human eyes to witness that. So... Fun times. Science. It's awesome. But anyway, I just wanted to take the time and say thank you so much for listening to this. And I hope you join us in the future. I think my next episode will be a little uh, more of a lighter fair where we're going to talk tapes and physical media and why it's fun to have these old VHSs around in a world where we have 4K Blu-rays. Just because a format is old doesn't mean it doesn't have merit, and I do think VHS has its place in ease of usability, uh, and that modern media can be a little hard for everybody to get working. So on that note, uh, thank you so much again, and I hope you join me next time when we talk tape. And as always, a very special thanks to Jared Van Natta and the Noble House uh, for producing this and generally listen to me rant and rave about this silly goosery and Uh, He gets to hear it before you all to make sure everything is good to go, and I very much appreciate all he's done and all he will do. 